Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, our guest is Dean Miller. He is the dog counselor, and you've helped save our household already. (laughs) Can I just say that? We have a dog that he came to help us learn how to train. Okay. And I'm trying to word it the right way because it's not, apparently the dog didn't have issues. We had issues. (laughs) (laughs) So Dean has been training us so we can uh, be able to coexist peacefully with the dog. In most cases, I find that the biggest problem is the miscommunication. So we're speaking English. We're speaking words. And Mm -hmm. dogs don't speak words in English or any any verbal language. They're nonverbal. Yeah. So when we start to learn to communicate with them in ways that are not logical words and concepts they understand right away but mm-hmm. we, we forget that they're animals they speak a different language so apparently people come to you just like we did and ask kind of i don't want to call it a stupid question because we feel like it's valid we're like why is the dog peeing on everything right why is the dog barking at everybody when they come to the door and you said your answer and i said because he's a dog <laughs> and and you know a dog has different criteria different ideas about how life goes you know they look at the door as something to, to protect it looks like people are invading your house when they come in that door oh. you know it's it to a dog it's a whole different concept we want people to think we're nice we smile we shake hands we hug and a dog wants the person to think they're tough so they don't try anything oh right Right? yeah and so if you're not guarding the door the dog feels that it has to that's right because if if somebody has to be the leader of the pack somebody has to be the protector of everything because an animal's first instinct is survival Mm -hmm. and so if people are just rushing in the door and then you imagine they hug you so it looks like they're grabbing their owners and and attacking them. Yes. So for a dog's perspective, they're going, nobody's protecting us. Yeah. So they feel they have to. If you take a moment to show your dog that you've got it, that you're controlling it, that you're handling it, they feel a lot safer and they're more likely to relax. That's one of the things that you taught us to say, I've got it. I've got it. Relax. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they're not looking for you to say, it's okay. This is our friend. That's very logical thought. That's very human. But they don't know what the meaning of those words are. They're hearing the tone of your voice. So it's okay. It's all right. Sounds like good boy, good girl. Keep which barking. sounds like I love what you're doing. This is great. Do it more. <laughs> and, and what they're looking for is someone to say, hey, I got this. Relax. I'll handle it. I'll make sure that we don't get hurt. That's what they're looking for. And it's the tone of voice. Yes, because dogs dogs bark. They, they use different body language, different things. But words are never a part of it. That you'll never hear one dog say to another dog, good boy, good boy, right? You'll never hear that. But they communicate volumes. Well, I just teach you how they do that and how you can do it with your dog. In your book, A Dog's Way, How Dogs Make Us Better People, mm-hmm. you said something about you spent time when you were younger, like kind of living with dogs or just uh, you had dogs around you mm-hmm. on your life. So what was it? My whole life from the time I was born, we've had dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we've always had an average of two or three dogs in the house. And then when I was older, I had an average of three dogs at a time. And I just always been around them and I just watched them. And then as I started getting into training, I started uh, reading and researching and educating myself and and I, I thought, well, I, I disagree with a lot of stuff that trainers are teaching because I know from living with dogs that there's a more effective way to do it. I just had an instinct for it. Oh. And I feel like the most educational thing I did was I worked at a facility once that had it was cage free. So they would have 50 or 60 dogs out in a yard, just completely cage free. And I had to supervise those dogs. So I had to learn to get control really quickly. 
And then I would sit there for hours and watch how dogs solve their problems. And I thought, if, I, if they can solve their problems in an instant, maybe I could create a human variation of that where we can solve the problems and have a conversation in an instant and the dog understands what we're doing. Because most trainers are doing a lot of um, baby talk and treats and all of this stuff that dogs don't do with each other at all. Oh, right. So so the treats might be some motivation to do things. They're a good start sometimes. They're great with puppies. It's kind of like saying to a kid, I'll give you a lollipop if you'll clean your room. But if you're 30 years old, you don't want somebody saying, I'll give you a lollipop if you clean your room. You have to take a different approach with an adult dog. Right. But every dog is different. So you have to approach them differently, just like every person is different. But the core language of it all is much simpler than we make it. And the more words and the more concepts we're throwing at them, the harder it is for the dog to understand what we want. Okay, so let's just kind of break it down. Start at the basics for us, Dean. Tell us what is a dog's life like and what is their thought process? Okay, well, a dog is, uh, you know, we have designed them to depend on us. We've bred them, we've designed them, we created breeds so that we could have what we want as humans. It's been a very selfish approach. So we are dealing with them like they're our babies and we keep them dependent upon us so we can feel that we're, we're fulfilling our need to be needed. That's a very good way to put it. And, and we constantly fulfill our needs. I want to cuddle. I love this dog. I love the way this dog looks at me. Mm-hmm. It feels good to baby talk and give treats. But we're not often thinking about how are we fulfilling the dog's needs. True. Right? And the dog has needs too. And the dog needs to feel protected. A dog wants to feel led by a leader, by an alpha dog that that has everything under control because they feel safe. Yeah. Just like a kid with rules feels safe. Oh. You know, a dog wants to feel uh, like somebody's got it. We got this under control. And then they relax. Right. We we saw that with the our dog, Finny, okay. with my stepdog. <laughs> Your stepdog, yeah. Because she was barking all the time when right. people would come to the house mm-hmm. and people would be in the house. She was just going crazy. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen her start, that was a good way you put it, start to relax. Mm-hmm. Now that we tell her, relax, we've got it. Right. And she just, she just like goes yes. back to sleep or something. So I liken it to uh, a child. Let's say a child is scared of something. Let's say you're going up to a haunted house and the child is saying, I'm scared. I don't want to go in. They don't want you to turn around and say, it's okay. You don't have to go in. They want you to say, hold my hand. I got you. I'll get out in front. I'll make sure you're safe. You hold my hand. Let's go. That's what they want, right? They really want to go in, but they just want to know somebody's protecting them. Right. And so that's what a dog is looking for. Yes. And often the louder the dog, the more barky, the more animated the dog, the less in control they are, the more afraid they are. Um, because they're going, get away, get away, stay away, get away. And the more in control dog is usually much more still, in control, giving short barks, uh, you know, comfortable approaching, you know, just like confident people are usually more still, more quiet. And so we have to be the in control dog. We have to be the alpha dog in our dog's life. Well, in a dog's mind, somebody has to be the alpha or we're all going to die, right? If if nobody's the alpha, it's like it's like an army troop with no sergeant. It's like there's no leader to this. We're all just chaotic. Yeah. And when somebody says, "I got the plan. I'm doing it. This is how we do it." A dog says, "Yes, now I know what's expected." And that brings me to a point that I think is really important that I find in training. People are constantly telling their dogs what not to do. Stop it. No. Quit. Get off the couch. Don't but they're not telling them what they do want. 
So it's kind of like we don't lay a foundation, we don't set any rules, we don't tell the dog what you want, and then we scream at them when they make a mistake. Whoa. Well, that's not fair. Um, you know, if you had a child, you say we don't touch the stove and we go to bed at eight and we eat our vegetables. And then the dogs, I mean, the person says, the child says, we know what the parameters are. Right. And then it's fair when they make a mistake and we say, hey, I told you not to do that. Yeah. But with dogs, we usually don't tell them what it is we want. We just yell at them. How do we tell them what we want? You take them. And, and like I always say, the leash is like holding a dog's hand. You take them around. You say, sit, stay, look, this is how we treat the the counter. We don't jump on the counter. This is how we treat food. This is how we treat the front door. I, I could show you all of these things. It's, it takes more than just talking about mm-hmm. it, but you demonstrate what it is you want and how you want them to behave in certain situations. We're talking with Dean Miller, the dog counselor. You can find more information at thedogcounselor.com. So you were helping us learn how to teach Finney to, that we treat people at the front door. Right. Would you kind of walk through that process a little bit? Sure. So, for example, we get a puppy. Let's say we get a young puppy. And we just generally don't do anything about the front door. We just, uh, you know, it just happens. People come by, they ring the doorbell, mm-hmm. and then nothing happens. But the dog starts to associate when the doorbell rings, when someone knocks, it means someone's here. It's attached to someone being here. Yeah. And no one else is is guarding it. No one else is, you know, so the dog takes the job of going, somebody's here, somebody's here, everybody prepare, get ready, we could die, right? You know? Right. And so that bell is like a signal to hit the roof, somebody's here, right? But if you'll take a dog when they're a puppy and you'll periodically knock on the door and ring the doorbell throughout the day and then nothing happens, it has a lot less meaning, it has a lot less stress, and it's happening many times when no one's coming over. So the dog doesn't flip out every time the doorbell rings. Oh. So that's a very good start. You just, you're showing them that the doorbell doesn't have any meaning. Yes. And if there is someone at the door, mm-hmm. you said put the dog on the leash. Right. And then go take the dog to the door. And how, do, how is it you show them this is how we deal with people at the door? Well, I would first have practice sessions. So before someone's there, I would bring my dog over to the door on a leash. I'd knock and ring and do all these things. And when the dog starts to escalate, you say no. And then give them something else to do instead. Okay, if we don't do that, what do we do? Sit. So no. Sit. Oh. No. Sit. And if you do this young enough, the dog starts to go, oh, this is what they want. This is what they want at the door. You know, often we're overcoming years of them having associated the doorbell with chaos. Yeah. So it takes longer. But a young dog will fall right into it. And then by the time you have a real person there, maybe they'll be excited. Maybe they'll be animated. But they've had a foundation of what you expect. Mm -hmm. So when you say no, sit, they think, oh, we've done this before. Oh, I okay. now I know what's expected of me. And so it's easier to get the result you want. But we tend to not practice. We tend to do nothing. And then the UPS guy comes or the postman comes and the dog goes ballistic. And then we start screaming, stop it. No, yeah. stop. And then we're all just chaotic. That just makes no sense. And it just escalates the situ- situation even more. Right. So like with a child, you don't wait till something goes horribly wrong. You tell them what, there's, what is expected before mm-hmm. it, it comes to that situation. Wow. Go into the bathroom inside the house. Okay. So what's going on with the dog there? Well, there there are many different reasons that happens. For young dogs, they just don't know that you don't just go anywhere you want to go. They won't naturally just say, okay, I'm going to hold it and wait till I go outside. 
that's a taught behavior. Oh yeah. And um, and then sometimes they're marking to make they want to make their home smell like home, so they urinate on things. You know, sometimes it you know people don't consider, but sometimes frequent urination is a, a bladder infection or a mm-hmm. urinary infection. Infection. So dogs often get punished for something they can't help. Uh. So if it's really frequent and the dog's not learning, I would check to see if it's a an infection or something medical a health issue. Yeah. Right. Right. But I would also say. Um, when a dog is not urinating in your house, when a dog is not chewing your things, not jumping on the counter, not crazy, um, they're actually denying all of their instincts because they love you so much. Their instinct is to chew and to dig and to you know, pee on things and everything. And when they're not doing that, they're actually denying their own instinct. And I think the only reason they would do that is because they love you so much. Wow. Yeah. If we are considering the needs of the dog, mm-hmm. do we meet in the middle uh, somehow with this or yes. what do we do? Yes. So like a child, you have rules, you have boundaries, you have structure. We eat our vegetables, we do our homework, we go to school. Those are rules and boundaries. Now, if you do those things, sometimes we get ice cream, sometimes we go to the park, sometimes we go to Disney World. You know, so it's a balance. So with your dog, if if you follow the rules and fulfill our needs around the house, I fulfill your needs. I take you for walks. I give you exercise. I feed you. And and then I give you playtime and I give you all the things you love. Mm-hmm. Are those the basic needs of a dog? Oh, well. Exercise the, and playtime and. Yeah, I'm sure there, there are many needs, you know. Um, primary is, is love and respect. We need to love and respect our dogs. Respect our dogs. Respect our dogs. I mean. People get dogs and they don't want them to be dogs. They buy, they get a puppy and then they go, why are you peeing in my house? Why are you chewing my furniture? Because you're a dog. You don't know any better. This is what we do in life. Yeah. And so we have to gradually and gently and, and fairly teach the dog that humans don't do everything dogs do. So you have to do some things that are against your nature, like don't chew my furniture, mm-hmm. don't urinate on the couch, right? Yeah. And and when you do those things, then in return, you're going to have this beautiful life where you're loved and you have safety and you have a leader and you have food. And so, that you know, those are a lot of the, the needs. There, there are many needs we all have, but we, we and every dog's different. So you say f- number one tends to be to make sure the dog feels safe. Yes. Because then they can learn these other things and they can feel comfortable. And then the love part comes. You said something about the dominance. Well, also uh, training a dog, teaching a dog and being their leader is loving them. So when we say to a child, you know, clean your room, do your homework, uh, say yes or yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, whatever the rules are, you are loving them Mm -hmm. because you're preparing them for life. True. But with dogs, we tend to, a lot of people tend to just spoil their dogs and love and treats and cuddles, and we don't do any discipline part, so the dog's not prepared for how to be a dog and how to get along. So then they act terrible in front of friends or guests or whatever because we've spoiled them, yeah. just like children, you know, and then we're doing them no favors because oh. they go out in life and get nuts, you know. Yeah. And you talked about dominance. You know, dominance is a very misunderstood word. It doesn't mean physically throwing your dog down or physically dominating your dog. Shouting at them. Shouting at them. It means um, uh, you are the leader. You're the alpha dog. So like when your mother says, you know, I said go to bed when it's bedtime, right? Mm -hmm. They're dominating you, but they're not dominating you in a cruel, unfair way. They're saying, I'm the mom, you're the kid, and we do what I say. And then the kid says, yes, ma'am, and you say, great, everything's wonderful. And now we have a clear relationship based on 
a mother's dominance. Make sense? Yes. When you first started coming to help us, we had an issue with the dog getting on the little sofa love seat mm-hmm. with my significant other. Mm-hmm. And then when I would come in, she would bark and growl at me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so what was happening there? Because I've seen that with a lot of relationships. A lady said something like, when I get into bed before my boyfriend, uh, the dog gets into bed with me. Mm-hmm. And then my boyfriend comes and tries to go to bed and the dog will growl yes. and act like she's going to bite him. So right. what is going on when we do things like that? Well, they, they develop a relationship with you that is almost codependent. So in your case, uh, the dog came before your your significant other met you. Right. Right. He, he had her. Long he before had her. Me. And so they had this bond and they had this relationship and they had this whole thing. And uh, and then here comes in her mind, this intruder yeah. who's stealing her dad away. Yeah. Right. And so it's just like an, an angry girlfriend saying, get away from my man. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, really get away from my man. Yeah. And then if you're the one to do the correcting, well, then you're the enemy oh. and you guys are in a fight over this guy. So the the wait, we're in a fight over him, right? And so then the 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 correction needs to come from him, oh, because he's saying, "Don't talk to my girlfriend that way. Get off the couch, sit down. This is my girlfriend. You're my child." Oh, right. You, and then he establishes the relationship. You don't talk, and then you can correct too because he's given you that job. But if he sits there passively, mm-hmm. then it becomes an argument between the two of you, and it's never going to end. Oh my gosh! Right? Oh my gosh! And it, does it have to do with dogs? Uh, that the alpha stays one place, and the uh, followers have to be kind of submissive to the alpha male. Like, was he? On the alpha male spot, and then I was coming to try and I don't think that scare has any, them or something. Or I don't like think that has anything to do with the moment you're describing. Now, I, I'm not positive because I'm not there, but I think what you're describing is just, I'm here cuddling with my man, and here comes this other woman, and I don't like it. <laughs> right? I mean, it, to put it in human terms, uh, I don't think it has... Sometimes they will get territorial about a spot or a place. Oh, okay. But I think this is more about their relationship. Their relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. I'm here cuddling with my man. Right. I mean, they don't look at it like a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, but it becomes codependent. Yes. So it can be like, you know, don't don't mess with my dad Mm -hmm. or or, or my close human. Yes. I noticed, and I did not understand it until after you started coming to visit us and counsel us about our dog. We're talking with Dean Miller, the dog counselor. You can get info at thedogcounselor.com is that uh, Ryan, our boy, is very big. Okay. And so I was sitting down mm-hmm. at the dining table, and Ryan mm-hmm. came over and was standing kind of above me. He was looking over my shoulder mm-hmm. at the phone. Mm-hmm. I was ordering something online for him. Mm-hmm. So he was standing over me, and the dog came and started kind of circling around, like, mm-hmm. and started growling. And I was like, what is going on? And and I was like, it's okay. And, like, and I looked around, and I was like, what is the threat that she's perceiving? Mm-hmm. And I realized... Ryan is so big, Over it looks you. like he could just kill me at any right. moment. And she's let she's letting us know she's ready to jump in. Right. Well, body language is very big to a dog. So when someone is standing over you, it can look intimidating. Yeah. And I think in some cases, at some times, your dog feels like no one else is taking on the alpha role. So your dog says, well, I'm going to, I'm, I got to be the alpha and it's being done in a nervous way. Yes. Oh, stop, 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 stop. Okay. Uh, don't hurt her. Don't hurt her. It's a nervous yes. way. It's not a secure alpha. It's a, an insecure alpha. That's why in that moment, when you say, Hey, 
Knock it off. I got Move. it. Move. You're saying, I got it. I, I'm, I see it. I know he's over me. It's not your problem. That's what the dog needs, not, not coddling. Yes. Wow. So a lot of times we feel like we're getting control uh, over our pet by baby talking, Mm -hmm. you called it. And, And they're hearing us say something else. It's the tone of your voice because dogs don't say, I told you to stop getting in my space. They, Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say that. They would say one time. Right. Okay. Right. So that means back off. I'm in control. Boss. Right. Right. Yeah. So they get they don't have verbal language. They have little assertions with their voice or their body language. So if you mimic that, they know exactly what you're talking about. Hey, go. You know, and I love that. That's one of the things you taught us. You you said, hey, Uh hey, yeah. Hey, hey doesn't really mean anything, but it causes it causes me to think of, of barking or to, hey, well, remind me to bark. Even when you say it, you kind of naturally bark a little bit. Uh-huh. So it, it, it it's a word I use a lot because it reminds me to not speak verbal language. Mm-hmm. They're responding to the tone, the yes. sound. So by the same token, when you say, it's okay, it's all right, this is our friend. Look, everything is okay. Yes, and it, I did that. And okay. you were like, here's what right, you're doing. Right. So all of that sounds like, forget the words, it sounds like, good boy, oh, good girl, oh, you're so incredible, it's so great. So you're saying, I love this nervousness, I love this aggression. That is, do more of that. That's so, it's an encouragement. Oh my gosh. So you really have to pay attention to your tone of voice when you're speaking to your dog. Do there seem to be some specific situations that more of us call you about than than others? Yes. Yes. I, w- I would say in general, people call me and they're at the, the end of their rope. I can't take it. This dog is driving me up a wall. Right. And then I go over there and it's 99% of the time just a misunderstanding between the human and the dog. A misunderstanding. Yeah. They're speaking English and the dog's speaking Portuguese and we don't understand each other. Yeah. And then I start to explain and they go, oh, now I get it. Yes. Right. It's just an interpretation. The thing that makes me the saddest is how easily people give up on their dogs. So, oh, I can't do it. And and I hear this all the time. I've tried everything. Oh, I've tried everything. And then I come over there and realize they haven't tried anything. You know, right. They've tried three things and gave up. Yeah. And then when I start explaining and showing them, the dog will change immediately. Mm -hmm. It's usually just them not understanding each other. I know the first time you came over to our house. You had us put the dog on a leash, mm-hmm. and then you kind of bossed her around a little bit. Mm-hmm. You took control, mm-hmm. let her see that you were dominant, mm-hmm. but you weren't going to hurt her. Right. And for, at first, she was like, <laughs> right. just you know, went ballistic. Mm-hmm. But then she ended up calming down mm-hmm. and lying down at your mm-hmm. feet. Mm-hmm. She relaxed. That was hard for my significant other to see. Yeah. That stressed him out because they were codependent. Right. Do we have other behaviors that we are doing that are are causing problems with our pets? Um, Yeah. In the case you're describing, most of the time a dog, you put them on a leash and if they're very uh, nervously controlling like that, they'll fight tooth and nail not to listen to you because they don't know what's at the end of this argument. Are you going to kill me? Are you a threat? Am I going to die? You know? Right. And so sometimes you have to sit and wait 30 seconds through the tantrum. You're not really pulling or yelling or screaming. You're just waiting till they finish their tantrum. And then you say, okay, now can we talk? Okay, great. Sit, move, stay. And what it is, is I call it an argument. They, They have to test whether you're more dominant than they are. 
And if you lose that argument, like they throw a tantrum and you give up, mm-hmm. they say, great, I, I'm not giving this person control because I am more dominant. Yeah, they gave up just to me. If right. a wolf came through the door, right. they would not be That's able to That's right. Save Between us. the two of us, who's more qualified for the job of security guard? I have to win the argument. Then the dog finally surrenders and says, okay, all right, uh, you know, you can be the boss. And not with physical violence or anything. It's just a matter of winning the argument, you know, stay standing your ground and being patient. Winning the argument. Winning the argument. So then the dog flips, flops and falls and then says, okay, fine, I give up. And you go, great, that's all I wanted. Great, now sit, stay, lie down. And the dog will start to realize, oh, this is a much easier way to go. I can give this responsibility to this guy and he keeps us all alive and safe. And after two, three, four, five guests where you haven't died, he goes, gosh, you must be doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Do you often find that when you go into a situation where the owner says, I have no control over this dog, this is, oh, I'm, I've tried everything. I noticed in your book, A Dog's Way, How Dogs Make Us Better People, that you mentioned uh, a couple of specific animals where you came in and after an hour session, mm-hmm. things were drastically different. Yes. Do you, does that happen a lot? Yes, because I find that the dog is 99% of the time they're just misunderstood. If I go to France and I don't speak French, I look like the dumbest guy in the room. Nobody can communicate with me. I can't communicate with them, which causes me to be frustrated, which causes them to be frustrated. And then the problem only escalates. So you're the dog in this case. Right. You don't understand what they're saying and they don't understand you. Now, I learn three words in French and they learn three words in English and we're off and running. Suddenly we're understanding each other. So when I go to a house and these dogs are misunderstanding their owners and the owners are, and the, the dogs are misunderstanding the guests and the people and the everything, once you start speaking their language, you'll watch a dog often just light up. Oh, someone's speaking my language. Oh, someone understands me. And the behavior starts to fall into place more, more easily. So the misunderstanding would be that we misunderstand that a dog barking is saying, I'm protecting this house. And the dog misunderstanding us might be the example of us saying, now, it's okay, mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. And they're thinking we're saying, good dog, keep barking right. and foaming at the mouth. Right. And so that is, that's a very good example. And then the dog is thinking, um, they know they're not in control. They say, look, I'm not a good leader. But the only thing I know is I've learned a few tools. If I bark and snarl and run around, people back off. So I'm just going to do that because it's most important that we keep ourselves alive and safe. But really what they need is someone who is truly qualified for the job, a true alpha dog, and then they'll relax Yeah, when they trust that. Because Finney is an older dog, mm-hmm. and we've been able to teach her a lot, and mm-hmm. we've learned a lot so we can communicate better, basically. Mm-hmm. Is that just completely false, that you can't teach old dogs new tricks? Yes, that's a that's a mis, miscalculation. It's just different. You know, an older dog, we wouldn't teach an older dog the same way we teach a, a young puppy, just like you wouldn't teach a an, you know a senior citizen the same way you teach a toddler. Mm-hmm. But they're easily taught they can easily understand it's just a challenge of overcoming years of habits you know bad habits oh so it might take a little longer but once they understand you they they usually fall right into place and may i ask you because we do have company coming over mm-hmm. uh i'm getting some free counseling here okay that's okay that's <laughs> i'll have to pay you later no um so we're going to have company coming to the door and then staying with us. Okay. What are some of the things we need to keep in mind with a dog that used to feel like she had to protect the house? It's, it sometimes is going to feel like one step forward, two steps back. 
So like everything seems to fall into place and then somebody moves too quickly or the wrong way and the dog is just triggered to go, ah, something's happening, right? Yeah. So you have to be ready for some of that backtracking and mistakes or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, I often say leave the dog on the leash until you're sure that they've accepted and calmed enough, you know, because you don't want them running around and and escalating. Oh, right. Keep it calm. And the first five minutes a person is there is the most crucial time because a dog wants the first impression to be, I'm tough. You can't get one over on me. So Mm -hmm. you want to get past that first impression to where they realize people are nice. People are kind. They're not here to hurt me. Okay. So I usually keep them on a leash for a short time after people are there until I feel like the dog is calm and everybody's adjusted. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Any final thoughts that you would like to leave? We're we're almost out of time. I can't believe it's just flown by. Anything else that you want to make sure that people... Well, I'd be happy to help anybody with their dogs. I, I, I've i been flown around the country. I teach seminars. I do all kinds of stuff. So if you want to contact me, I'm at thedogcounselor.com. And I can do all kinds of, I do uh, FaceTime conversations, Zoom calls, you know, if you're in another part of the area, whatever. I just love to help dogs. My whole goal in life is to help dogs and, and bring dogs and people together where they understand each other. And I love that you said to, is to help dogs, like Mm-hmm. You you also are helping people, but really it's the dogs. To me, I feel like people have options. Dogs don't have so many options. You know, we go in and we say, I'll take that one. And then for the rest of that dog's life, they're bound to you. Yeah. So they are dependent on you. They need you. They, they, they can't be self-sufficient. And then we betray them. We, we say, I'm not going to learn about you. I'm not going to fulfill your needs. And then when you don't act right, I'm going to throw you out or give you up or whatever. So... I am really most interested in helping the person understand the dog so the dog doesn't get betrayed. Wow. That's real dog rescue. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I, my heart is too tender to go work in shelters every day. It just hurts me mm-hmm. what goes on with dogs. But what I feel like I can contribute is to keep the dog from ever being given up in the first place. So if you have tried everything, if you feel like that's where you are with your pet, please call Dean Miller. Contact him at thedogcounselor.com. Thank you that's for right. joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're going to post that information on our Focus Facebook page and uh, all the links as well. Thank you for listening. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie and that's Focus.